Coming up today on you guys on tech, the EU is cracking down on AI just as Microsoft doubles down on AI. Or is it triple down, quadruple down? I lost track at this point. NVIDIA insists fake frames are the future. Microsoft says the biggest gaming leak in history. And Unity is super duper sorry about being greedy. All that and more coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, notice we go to this Eagle Eyes on Tech guy, Amigo Falcon. We have uh, a lot to talk about. Microsoft had a huge leak. We have uh, Unity going ahead and trying to walk back everything they just did. It's, it's interesting enough. Somehow, somehow, on top of all of that, Microsoft leaking 38 terabytes of private data thanks to a incorrect setting on the Azure cloud system is somehow the least of the problems today. And before you ask, no, this oopsie whoopsies with Microsoft Azure is not related to the massive leak they had. But it's still kind of staggering that, you know, 38 terabytes of data just casually exposed. And then you wonder, you know, Eagle, why do you refuse to have blind faith in the cloud like everyone else? This, this is why you want to know why I insist on building on my own storage infrastructure. You want to know why I go ahead and take that extra, extra step to go ahead and just say, you know, maybe I'd like my own storage server. You want to know why I keep preaching for the average person to go ahead and have external hard drives, or if they are tech savvy enough to go ahead and build their own NAS. This, this kind of nonsense is why. What do you do if you're one of the 32, 38 terabytes of data that was just exposed? What if your tax documents are up on the cloud? Up, oh, I guess that's out there now to be stolen by everyone, LOL. What if your family photos are out there? Up, oh, well, I guess all that criminating information is out there, LOL. You just can't. Mm. Chat says, I'm not preaching, I'm screeching. If that's what it takes to get this message forward, then yes! I insist, please, spend a little bit of extra time. Please, try to go ahead and learn a little bit about data management. The fact that there are college students now 
that have never touched a file explorer is a problem. Oh, file explorers are for, are for the elderly. No. They are for the people who actually care about how their data is used. If you're going to go ahead and try to tell me that you care about your security, you care about your privacy, and you continue to blindly use your iCloud or your OneDrive of your Microsoft Azure or whatever, guess what? You're part of the problem. And by the way, did you know that by default, Windows 11 just automatically syncs everything with their own cloud? I lost two days in the office after I made this discovery that that was enabled by default without my consent on my business laptop and I had to go ahead and undo all of that. Because no, I have more faith in my local backup system with a RAID 1 redundancy and then a backup redundancy to my redundancy at home than I do making sure that OneDrive doesn't leak just like Microsoft Azure. Or then again, knowing Microsoft, Azure also is part of OneDrive. <sighs> so... Call it preaching. Call it screeching. I will continue to preach it. I will continue to screech it. Until you can go ahead, look at something like this and say, man, thank God that wasn't me. Use external storage. Oh, you're a crazy paranoid person. Yeah, and I'm a crazy paranoid person that didn't just have part of their 38 terabytes of stuff just leaked out up there. But let's get off the cloud for a minute. That's an old buzzword. Let's go ahead and update ourselves to a newer buzzword. Let's talk about AI and the fact that YouTube is coming up with AI-powered creator tools, including a generative green screen. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of wondered where the heck this came from. This felt like it came out of nowhere. But here's the thing, all right? All these sort of features like AI-powered uh, facial transformations, AI-powered green screen effects, all that sort of jazz. YouTube suddenly launching a mobile video editor. What the heck does it all mean? Why are they suddenly doing this now? It seems out of place. You want to know why it seems out of place to me? I never use the mobile TikTok app. Because all of this has been in the TikTok app since its inception. Which kind of makes me wonder, how, how did it take Google this long to get, get on this bandwagon? You know? 
like for my own shorts, I'm still going to go ahead and still edit them on, you know, my workstation infrastructure here. Which, by the way, keeps throwing an error and it's ticking me off. It is driving me nuts and I want to figure it out. Because it keeps throwing errors about its freaking cache. And then loads anyway. And it's driving me nucking futz. <sighs> anyway. It'll go ahead and do all of this based on text-based prompts. And we'll then go ahead and transform your videos accordingly, as well as automatically dubbing into other languages and has a soundtrack search. This is interesting. It's interesting. I don't know how useful it is yet. I also don't know how good it is yet. AI is still kind of one of those things that when it works, it is mind-blowingly interesting, but when it doesn't, oh boy, it is hilarious when AI doesn't work. It in fact might be the funniest thing currently when AI just absolutely fails. But you know, it's kind of the problem with trying to tell yourself that a large language model is the same as AI when it really isn't. But speaking of doubling down on AI, Intel is also doubling down on AI, saying that in the very near future, all of their CPUs will have AI cores on them. Effectively hosing NVIDIA by making it so any computer can go ahead and, ha and do on-the-fly AI job, do on-the-fly AI work, and not just those with a $7,000 GPU. Granted, the $7,000 GPU is still going to be able to head and do more of it, but it is a blow in the fortress NVIDIA is trying to generate for itself. Now, this is going to first be available on their next generation Intel Xeon cores, which is going to go ahead and have apparently up to a 288 core chip. Or is that just a combination of E cores and P cores that it's going to have 288 cores? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what it all includes. In fact, do they actually have more details on this on this alleged 288 core CPU? The reason I'm not more excited about it is just because first off, A, I know it's going to be a combination of big and little cores. So it's not 288 cores of pure raw power. Yeah, they're not giving us any details on it yet. We'll see what that ha- I'm willing to bet it is gonna be like a combination of like 32 per- or what are they up to right now? I think- yeah, 28 cores right now I think is their biggest Xeon. So let's say they double that to 56. 
I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Intel is definitely in a spot where they 100% need to step up their game. They have to. AMD is just absolutely destroying Intel in the data space. In the, in the data center space. There we go. I can speak words, I swear. The thing is, is that the only reason Intel's still around is because they're Intel. They're a very well-known brand. With that also said, NVIDIA is doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down on DLSS. Saying that native resolution gaming is out and DLSS is here to say. This might go down as one of the dumb things that NVIDIA says. So let me, let me explain this to you in a way that anyone could understand. What DLSS is, is that the GPU uses AI to take a sample of a frame and then generate the next frame based on that and thus cutting the work that the actual GPU has to do in half. It also uses this to try and upscale an image from a lower resolution to a higher resolution. And grant, their DLSS technology that actually upscales the resolution is really good. But to say that native resolution is dead or native resolution gaming is out is mind-blowingly stupid. That's like saying vinyl records are out. Vinyl records are still around, and there are, in fact, still purists out there that still prefer that kind of physical media over just straight MP3s or just streaming the audio. There will always be those enthusiasts. To just say that native resolution gaming is out is mind-blowingly stupid. Especially since, you know, I hate to break it to NVIDIA. You know that whole thing with Starfield? About how the devs just simply didn't make the game work for DLSS, but then eventually did? What happens when one doesn't? What happens if a developer just doesn't have the resources to go ahead and use that? What happens... When a developer just decides, no. Well, look at NVIDIA's track record. They have an amazing track record of all these technologies saying, oh yes, they have an amazing record of making all kinds of technologies stick, like SLI, like PhysX, PhysX. Such an amazing track record of all kinds of technology they introduced saying they were the future, and then were shoved aside. You think SLI would still be around? If it weren't for the fact that developers just stopped developing for it? It could easily be the same thing with DLSS. It is still way too early in the game to try and say that native resolution gaming is out. That is an incredibly stupid, stupid statement. And in fact... 
I hate to break it to you, but if more and more work's gonna be done to just not improve your GPUs and just say, oh, whatever, the AI portion's doing more work, then you're just gonna get caught up. You got Intel and AMD both catching up to you, NVIDIA, and you have an entire generation that is wasted. The entire 4,000 series GPU generation, as far as advancements for NVIDIA and their technology is lost. Cause all it was was showcasing how DLSS makes the GPU better. And you know what the end result was with, with that? People didn't buy it. If DLSS is the future, and the 4000 series represents the biggest advancement in DLS ever, then why aren't people buying the 4000 series GPUs? There's something to think about. I'm just saying. I know a few others are just going like, oh, Nvidia is right. It's, this is, freaking dlss is here to stay it's the future it has a place it has a place but here's the thing when your real performance per dollar matches the previous generation guess what people are gonna buy the previous generation that's all there is to it You can say that it's, oh, I didn't buy 4,000 series just because of the price. You didn't buy the 4,000 series because you couldn't justify it. It's more than just the price. It's the fact that it's way too expensive. And the performance of said card does not even come close to what that price suggests it should be. What's next? The 30, the 4050 costing as much as the 3060 last year? Then get the 3060. It's a no-brainer. NVIDIA wants to try and make this conversation all about their software and their tricks to go ahead and support a failed GPU architecture. And that's what I see the 40 series as failed because it brought no advancements other than its software, other than its AI work. Beyond that, it's the exact same as the 30 series. Granted, more power efficient than the 30 series. But still, nowhere close to what it should be. But meanwhile, as everyone else doubles down on AI, Microsoft triples down on AI 
introducing Microsoft Copilot. Their new AI companion. Now being introduced to Windows as well as Microsoft 365. As well as everything else. So now we have a new chat GPT implementation for basically everything Microsoft except for the gaming division. And to the surprise of no one, uh, early performances of Copilot have uh, had this thing hallucinate faster than you'd ever believe. Good job. What an amazing piece of work. Already starting to launch and already starting to lose its mind. Oh, hopefully it will uh, get up there, right? Someone in chat says Clippy Reborn. You know, I might forgive it if it actually did decide to just be Clippy the paperclip. I think that'd be genius. Unfortunately, Microsoft is uh, not great at making genius moves. But while Microsoft triples down on AI with its new co-pilot launch again, the UK is focusing on AI. Now that the whole saga with... Um, Activision by, are being bought by Microsoft. Now the UK needs a new scapegoat to go ahead and focus on. And it appears to be AI. And joking aside, it's about bloody time. Because quite frankly, the amount of data skimming going on by all these large language models is kind of insane. And they're just kind of doing it whether you like it or not. So... The focus of this legislation that's now in the works is going to be trying to seek out transparency and accountability for all these various startups and whatnot, trying to do AI work. And they are going to be reaching out to unbiased sources like Google, Meta, OpenAI, and Microsoft. So Google, Meta, and Microsoft but they're going to talk to Microsoft twice. Since basically at this point, OpenAI, as much as they want to act like a neutral party, uh, they basically are owned by Microsoft at this point. There's not many other ways to look at it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes down. I have a pretty good hunch that, although this sounds like it could be good, that the first draft of this is going to be abysmal and set the entire industry back way more than it should. I mean, now what you want it willing to bet that that's what's going to happen. Well, while staying, staying in roughly the same area, we talked last week regarding iPhone 12s being banned in France because of radiation. 
even though that kind of radiation has been pretty much proven time and time and time again that it is not dangerous to people at all. Apple has gone out and pushed out a software update that will reduce the amount of electromagnetic radiation put out by these phones, thus making them more useless, most likely, and compliant now in France. It's okay, it's just the iPhone 12. We can live without it. It's fine. Pretty much all phones now before the iPhone 15 are now basically obsolete. Seeing as how they all have the inferior lightning port and they should instead just embrace the perfect world of USB Type-C. So, quite frankly, their performance being reduced a little bit. It's not going to really change a whole lot down the road. I think we're going to take our first break here because coming up after this, we're going to be talking about some product announcements that actually came out from Amazon and Microsoft both. And also some signs that, in fact, the Echo devices are getting a bit of an update. We'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Amazon had their usual Amazon devices and services event in which they announced um, a number of things. By the more, by the most interesting of which is the fact that despite the fact that the Echo team had some huge layoffs, they are in fact going to continue to make advancements for the Amazon Echo systems, which is great news because, man, I don't know about any of you who have your own idiot puck at home, but, man, mine has been increasingly dumber with seemingly every month. Like, holy cow. So to hear that it actually is getting updates... That is good. That is very good. Now, as far as the actual hardware, we're going to get some new streaming devices, including a Fire TV soundbar. That's going to be $120, and it pairs with your Amazon Fire TVs and Fire Sticks. It sounds like it's just a soundbar that pairs with existing set-top boxes, not a set-top box that is also a soundbar, Unlike the Roku soundbar, which I actually have in my own living room. Woohoo! In addition, Fire TV is going to be getting its own search mode aimed at helping with discovery and also let you just continue watching. Oh, I'm sorry. And there will be a new continue watching row added to the interface. I can read, I swear. 
There's me a new Eero router. I forgot that Amazon owns Eero. The Eero Max 7 is a $600. I'm sorry, I just had a, a, a small stroke there. A $600 Wi-Fi 7 mesh router delivering speeds of up to 4.3 gigabits per second and wired speeds up to 9.4 gigabits per second. I have to know if that's $600 includes just one node. If it's $600 per node, holy cow. That would be actually insane. Hero Max 7. Let's take a look here. That is, in fact, for one node. On the back, there are two... Two and a half gigabits per second and to 10 gig. This is actually more like just one. This is a tri-band. How is this a mesh router? This does not seem like a mesh router. Like a mesh router, the whole point of it was that you'd have smaller nodes spread throughout the house. This is a massive super node. What the heck? I'm so confused. Are, is there going to be lesser Euro 7s that aren't this crazy overpowered? On the bright side, it's thin. It does have that going for it. What the heck? Am I the only one that thinks this is insane? I feel like I'm the only one that thinks this is insane. Uh, it goes from the, the Euro Pro 6E at 180. And then the next step up is just the, the Max 7 at 600. What the heck? And that's for a single node. That's for a single node. Wow. Is Wi-Fi 7 just that expensive? Holy cow. Blink is going to have four cameras pair with a Blink outdoor. Oh, I'm sorry. Blinked Outdoor 4 cameras pairs with Blink Outdoor 4 camera with floodlight in a package uh, for $160. We have some new, new cameras there. There is a new smart controller, the Echo Hub, which is a new smart home hub that basically is used exactly like you thought you'd use your Echo Show 15 for. Of course I triggered my own Echo device. Why wouldn't I? We're just going to mute it. 
So the Echo Hub is $180. It is an eight inch screen. And this one has software on it so that you can just control all various aspects of your smart home directly from the panel. In the same sort of way you thought you'd be able to use your Echo Shows for, but apparently will not once this is out. I'm a little annoyed by this thing's existence. Is anyone else a little annoyed by this? Especially if you went ahead and already got like an Echo Show 15 and tried to use it as the same, as the same thing, despite the fact you have very few smart appliances. Like this comes off as silly. It really, really does. But I guess that's to ensure that uh, if you wanted to go ahead and use an Echo Show, that in fact your Echo Show will just sit there weirdly. In addition, we have uh, new Echo Frames. These are... These are smart glasses. that actually look like glasses this time that'll have uh, the echo system built into it as well as actually looking wearable i mean i'm not gonna lie they actually look decent like other times we've seen these kind of smart glasses sort of things they look abysmal they look like something that no one in their right mind would wear it's all, they were almost as mockable as the Google Glass. Someone in chat says side view needed. Let's actually take a look here. The frame is, the, the arms of uh, the glass are noticeably thicker. So like, if you know where to look, you could spot this. Like, this isn't going to hide very nicely in, say, like, the arms of, say, my sunglasses. Like, it's it's not going to fit nicely like, like these do. Like, they are noticeably thicker. Like, two to four times the, like, volume. But, I got to give him credit. It does look more discreet than pretty much any other smart glass that we've seen so far. The other thing is also, I do not see cameras as an option on here, which does solve a lot of concerns that a lot of people had. Also, I love the fact that in their description, here's the actual title, all right? This is from Amazon. Echo Frames third gen, smart audio glasses with a Lexa, round frames in blue tortoise with blue light filtering lenses. Of course, we had to get the blue light filtering lenses. Let me tell you something about blue light filtering. Blue light filtering 
for the most part is a gimmick. I can already tell you just by looking at those lenses, they are not filtering a lot of blue light. My sunglasses filter a lot of blue light. They filter all the blue light to the point where I actually can't see the blue light on police cars. It's actually that eerie. And they look like this, all right? For those of you who are going ahead and uh, watching the video version, you will see that everything has turned a very dark amber. And yeah, the blue light on the webcam just vanishes and that that is blue light filtering and that is all that is like maximum blue light th filtering someone in chat says dirty lenses they were sitting on my head what did you expect <laughs> freaking freaking chat all dirty lenses <laughs> All right, here. That's the, that's the best I can do right now without. Uh... That still looks bad. But no, they sit on my head most of the time. What do you expect? <laughs> so that's for the most part what's been announced. The software side, though. seems to imply that the Echo is going to get something more akin to a large language model update than they want to admit. They're saying that's going to be able to understand speech better. It's going to be able to take previous things into account. Like, the, the kind of language that Amazon is talking. Let's actually see if I can bring up the actual... Post they had. Nope, it's gone. Okay, then. God dang it. Couple days later, already Amazon doesn't want to talk about the updates that are coming to the Echo. Feels bad, man. But they're talking about updates that are more like, um, like you'd expect from a chat GBT, like a, like a large language model. They didn't name any specifically. I'm not saying that the Echo is going to get chat GPT compatibility, but what they're describing sounds a lot like that. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. There was also a new... Echo Show 8 that was announced. We can see that here. And it, for the most part, just looks like a new body design. Where it has its own stand. It won't show us... Come on, show us the back. Show us the back, you cowards. Like they're like I'm playing a video right now on the on the video ver version of it. I'm trying to see if they show us a picture of it, what it looks like from the back. That look that looks like the only thing that's changed is the rear body of it. Nope, that's still not being shown there either. <laughs> it's the only thing that's different. Oh no, I take that back. They centered the camera instead of the camera being on a corner. It's now in the middle. Oh, it's a little annoying. 
I'm not gonna lie. So that's everything Amazon announced. I'm curious to see what the updates are gonna be. I'm curious to see if there's gonna be software updates that come to the show to make, to give you the option to have it be more like the hub. Cause there's, there's no reason for there not to be a software update to just make every show act like the hub does. To have it be, you know, one giant digital master switch for all your smart devices. And I think that's a better use of your larger show devices than, than this. I just took a sip of tea and as the, as I let go of the spill seal, it splashed a little bit right into my eye. That was really, really annoying. Almost as annoying as uh, everything Microsoft announced. We have new updates for the Surface line. Despite the fact that the lead of Microsoft product development um, was let go. But we have new Surface Laptop Go 3s. These are basically, basically MacBook Airs. That's all they are. They're Windows MacBook Airs. They have a 12th gen Core i5 1235U, Iris Z processors or GPUs, 8 or 16 gigs of DDR5 RAM, a removable 256 gig SSD, a 12.4 inch display, and what is, what is the resolution? The resolution is 1536 by 1024 for some reason, which gives us a three by two aspect ratio. I'm actually curious how people feel about the three by two aspect ratio. Cause that's really, that's not one you hear about very often. We usually use what 16 by nines. What's the closest a three by two would be to a 16 by nine? I can't math right now. But for the most part, the only thing that's really new here is the fact that the body is now all aluminum. Is that a tablet? I thought a tablet was more four by three. Chad is saying that, that it's about a tablet size. But anyway, the top of the case is anodized aluminum. The base is aluminum and a polycarbonate <laughs> composite resin system with glass fiber and 30% post-consumer recycled content. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? The, la the, the Surface Laptop Go starts at $800. If you want one that's actually usable, it will start at $1,000. You do not have the option of upgrading that SSD. If you want to upgrade that SSD, you have to do it yourself. Wow. 
that is actually you never see that everyone gives you the option to upgrade the ssd it might be a bad option to upgrade the ssd but everyone gives you the option to upgrade that ssd but if you want to upgrade that ssd you have to do it yourself as for that actual cpu let's go ahead and actually look up the actual specs of the cpu i mean i can already tell you this is an outdated processor which is very normal for uh, microsoft for whatever reason they just feel that um if you want to go ahead and have a um one of their products you should be able to tolerate outdated pr products because we're already on 13th gen so 12th gen this is already a, this is already old we're rocking two performance cores eight efficiency cores max turbo on the performance core is 4.4 gigahertz efficiency cores max out at 3.3 this is a 15 watt processor that can go up to 55 watts so this sucker can really suck a lot of power i mean it's an okay laptop i i don't know if I'd recommend it for the average person, but it's there. It is in fact there. And now if you wanted the, there's also another upgrade. There is now the Surface Laptop Studio 2. This laptop is more like how What do you even call this? <laughs> It's basically a two-in-one laptop, but you have the option to, like, have it cover the keyboard, but not the trackpad, and... It's a weird design to me. It almost seems like a tablet that they went ahead and had to attach a, a laptop... ...body to it. Someone in chat asked, what does removable SSD mean? Does the OS are... Does it mean the OS is already installed on another device and the SSD can be replaced? Replaced most, uh, replaced almost plug and play, or does it mean that even more is needed by the consumer to remove the SSD? That is a very good question. Let's actually see if we can answer this because I'm not gonna lie that it, I personally wouldn't care if I had to go ahead and get a hold of a, um, of a new SSD to put it in. But to go ahead and say like, oh, hey, dad, go ahead. Just get this laptop and upgrade the SSD yourself, LOL. My dad has no idea how to get in, remove a freaking M.2 SSD and plug it in. It's, or is it going to be like in its own modules? Do I have to go and order the modules separately? Does it mean that there's a 64 freaking gig SSD in there that has the OS and it's going to automatically install, install on whatever SSD is in there? You know what the best part is? I don't know. There is no information on here to describe that. <laughs> is it under full specs for no adequately explored reason? No. What? I 
I'd be very curious about that because that is that is incredible. Or is this just like a push by um by Microsoft to say, you know what, 256 gigs is enough for you. If you need more, you can you go ahead and use our cloud system. But if you are showing up late to the podcast, you'll you'll I'll refer you to the beginning of the podcast where I talk about how relying on the cloud is BS as a bad idea. Don't be fully reliant on the cloud. You know, unless you want to be part of the 38 terabytes that was leaked out, you know. I mean, it's your call. Like, okay, so just going off what I remember. I remember past generation Surface Go- uh, Surface laptops and Surface um, tablets actually having like a memory card style module that would go ahead and pop out and you could pop in another one. Kind of similar to what we saw in the Xbox Series series. I don't know if that's the case with this. I'm going to see in add-ons if there actually is a um, an upgrade for the SSD. I do not see it. It's all freaking software. And it actually affect. It wants you to actually click, no, I don't want any software. Stop upselling me frequently bought together there is no <laughs> there is nothing in accessories that include what the heck <laughs> man you better be okay with 256 gigs and you better know you better have someone in the family who's tech savvy enough to know how to replace this ssd because man if you don't have anyone that's tech savvy enough to replace this SSD, you are just hosed, apparently. I'm gonna look in ser- servers repair. Pro- Let's see if there actually is like an SSD module that's available. This is actually now just kind of interesting. Oh, wait. Oh, it's Surface Studio Plus. That's not helpful. All right. Here we go. Surface laptop repair parts. Let's go ahead and see. If in this list, there is nothing listed for storage at all. What? What (laughs) What are you supposed to do? (laughs) So... Here's what I will say. In the section for Surface All-in-One repair parts, there is an item for a replacement one terabyte SSD for the Surface Studio 2 Plus. And that looks like a very standard M.2 drive. The picture looks a little bad and the M.2 connector looks a little funky. But I think that might just be some of the decorative pieces on it. And that it's not actually like proprietary, any any sort of nonsense like that. It looks like a standard M.2 module. 
Granted, there is nothing in overview or tech specs that um that encourage this. And now I haven't had to go through just this inform this is one rabbit hole I did not expect to go down just for some freaking parts to just try and find if this bloody thing is actually M.2 compatible or not. Holy cow. What the It should not be this hard to find out how to upgrade a freaking storage drive. What the heck's going on? You know, Microsoft, maybe, just maybe, getting rid of that guy who was in charge of uh of surface proc development might not have been the right call. Okay, it is a standard M.2 device. We see the socket here in the manual. It is an M.2 device for not the device we're talking about. We have one hint that maybe they use standard parts. I feel dumber for going through all this. And uh, I think I'm just going to continue through my life. <laughs> this person in chat wants to go, why won't they just come out and say it's just M.2? I don't know. I feel like I'm going mad. I'm, 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 just, I'm just here going just as crazy as you are here, chat. <laughs> Let's let's just move on to the to the all-in-one device. Wait, is this actually the one I just looked up? Surface Laptop Studio 2. Is this the thing that I actually uh just download a repair manual for? Nope, this is the Surface Studio 2 Plus. Okay, that's later. <laughs> so this one we don't know either if this also is uh M.2 or not. By the way, the laptop does have a touchscreen. I did forget to mention that. Anyway, uh, the the all-in-one device or the the two-in-one device, the Surface Laptop Studio Two, which does have an adjustable screen, is using current Gen 13 Gen Core i7 13700H. Let's go ahead and actually look up that processor real quick. It's built on the Intel Evo platform, so it's going to go ahead and have some additional functions there. It does also have the option. Or does it also include a Gen 3 Movidius 3700VC VPU AI Accelerator? We'll get some info on that too. I don't know if that's just like a discrete chip that the uh, that Intel has in addition to the CPU. We'll have to check that out in a bit. You do have GPU options. With this, you can either have an RTX 4050, an RTX 4060, or an RTX Quadro 2000 ADA, gener ADA GPU. I want to say the RTX uh, 2000 ADA is going to be roughly comparison compared to the 4050, actually, as far as performance goes.
So if you want raw performance, you're actually better off with the 4060. But if you need uh, like actual work done and verification, you want the not a quadro GPU. Oh, it actually is a rebranded RTX 4060. Never mind. That actually is pretty much on par with that. All right. So that's up to you. Starts at 16 gigs of RAM. Alleluia. Upgradable to 32 or 64. It has a removable solid state drive gen 4 of either 512, 1TB or 2TB, 14.4 inch screen. It is a 3x2 aspect ratio, just to confuse everyone again. 2400 by 1600 starts at at $2,000. And the battery life is anywhere between 16 hours and 19 hours, depending on how much you load this sucker up. And because someone's going to ask, yes, it has a headphone jack. You can now use it as your daily driving cell phone. It has a headphone jack. Do it. I dare you. Make your daily calls on a 14-inch laptop because it has a headphone jack. All you headphone jack purists out there. I want to see that now. I want to see the clown holding up a 14-inch laptop to their head. All right, let's actually start doing some specking out of this, okay? So for $2,000, you get integrated Intel GPUs. The CPU is the same across the board. That CPU, by the way, is the 13700H. That is a 6-core, a 6P-core 8 e-core cpu with a max turbo of 5 gigahertz with the e-cores going up to 3.7 gigahertz it's a 45 watt cpu that can go up to 115 watts this sucker this is a this is a really capable you know laptop cpu not gonna lie <clears throat> when you're talking you know what i'll just call a six core a six core plus CPU, I still don't consider the E cores as cores you count compared to older ones. So normally before you would only have high performance cores. All right. So for example, my desktop here is a 24 core CPU, uh, 24 core desktop. It has 24 cores in it. All of them are high performance cores. This laptop has 14 cores, but eight of them are low-powered efficiency cores that are there solely to sip power when there's nothing going on. Whereas my desktop is going to chug power like a monster no matter what. But it does have six powerful cores that can be supported by those eight efficiency cores. So I would just say six plus. Does that make sense? If you want to compare it to uh, how you used to compare everything. So worst case scenario, you're talking six. We'll say 4.7 gigahertz processors. All right. That's really good. Like that's a lot of CPU performance in there. That is not bad at all for like light to moderate use. And then on top of that, you have that built-in AI chip as well 
that is rocking a whole lot of specs I don't know how to make heads or tails of. But it's there. The only spec it includes that makes any sense to me is 12 nanometer build process, which holy cow, we're really that far behind now, and 700 megahertz. The actual Intel CPU is running on the Intel 7 lithography, which I can't remember how many nanometers that is. Is that actually seven nanometers or is that five nanometers? I can't remember because Intel went ahead and like mucked everything up. But at the same time, the way they're doing things, the nanometers don't matter as much. It's, it's weird. It's weird and I feel unqualified to talk about it. Does that make sense? So, I mean, this is a really capable laptop. The only downside is that if you want the absolute maxed out one, Um, it's $3,700. And I'm not going to lie for $3,700. You get a lot less performance than you could from elsewhere. Like, um, let's, uh, let's compare that to say... Let's go to Dell's website and compare that. Let's go to Precision Lineup since we're talking about freaking mobile workstation power here. We'll go ahead and go to precision. Let's not even go all the way up to like the, the 7780 full workstation. Let's go to the... Let's go for 15 inch. Just to be fair. Why did Dell change the way they do everything? This is weird. I hate this. And apparently only the 3000 series is available. They haven't updated their 5000 series yet. Let's just go ahead and say, I can't tweak anything. What the heck happened to Dell's ability to build? This was the one thing they were good at. Why is this website so awful? Wait. Why didn't the... It, wait. Did their Precision 5000 series become a 16-inch screen? Is that why it didn't show... Yep. It became a 16-inch screen. Oh, my Lord. Right. If I compare it to a Dell Precision, I get what appears to be roughly exactly the same kind of laptop, actually for the money. 
Except I get a slightly better CPU. Because I got a Core i9-13900H. Which is probably, according to the specs here, roughly the exact same as the i7, except 400 megahertz faster. With the same RTX 2000 out of GPU, 32 gigs of RAM, which the other one had a one terabyte M.2 SSD. But here's the thing. I know how to upgrade the, the, the Dell one. That's going to be standard. I don't know what the heck's going on on, the, on this one. But I think I lose the touchscreen. So I don't know what the point of this exercise was other than to realize that Dell really likes to piss me off. All right, let's instead go over to the, one of the other announcements. Microsoft also announced the Surface Go 4 for business. So altogether, that is the Surface Go 4 for business. Figure out how to say that quickly. Good luck. With the specs, with the usefulness being productive, durable, and flexible, this is basically your standard kind of Surface tablet that you've pretty much like with a, uh, with a keyboard hookup. I love these little things. I really do. And I really wish these would be down in price. I'm kind of weird. It's kind of weird to me that the new Surface Go 4 is being marketed for business only, which makes me kind of worry on what the price is about to be. This is using an Intel N200 processor, which I need to look up what that is. And it's a quad core six watt mobile processor. That maxes out at 16 gigs of RAM. Oh no. That's our first concern. Well, it doesn't matter because the Surface Go 4 only has eight gigs of RAM and can either use 64, 128, or 256 gigs of storage. So you better be ready with external storage on this. It is a 1900 by 1280 display with a three by two aspect ratio. It is a 1.15 pound device. It has 12 hours of battery life. And um, that's basically all there is to go by. It, it, it's basically what you expect. It is a tablet. Now, here's the thing we don't see on this. We don't see a price. We see a where to buy button. And uh, here's the problem. <laughs> we just... I searched, all right? Oh, here we go. Is that the same thing? I'm now not even sure if I'm even on the same thing. I was on the Surface Go 4, right? Was that what it was? This thing starts... I'm so confused. I'm so lost. Did I just accidentally stumble onto the site I wish I found earlier? I think I just accidentally stumbled onto the section of the site I wanted to find earlier. Okay, it starts at $580.
$580 for 8 gigs of RAM. I'll just tell you this right now. I have two Lenovo ThinkPad tablets. Both of which are older and have 16 gigs of RAM. Granted, when they sold new, they were like 900 bucks. I found them on the used market in good condition for $300. And they have a terabyte of storage in them. The storage is not upgradable by any stretch of the imagination, unless you really feel like whipping out a heat gun. But there is a micro SD card. And yes, it has a headphone jack. If you really want new and you just want like a Windows tablet sort of thing, this might be a good experience for you. I would strongly recommend against it. I would instead just search the used market. I really would. And I know it's scary. But if you're willing to go ahead and try to do the refurbishing yourself, you can come off looking pretty good. I'm not going to lie. And it's probably going to end up looking better for you in the grand scheme of things. I'm just saying. And then finally, since we spent, you know, way too long on this, I want to talk about the Surface Hub 3. The last thing Microsoft announced, which I'm not going to lie. I don't know who this is for. It is basically a TV, except it is used exclusively for business, exclusively for Microsoft Teams exclusively for conference rooms. There is a 50-inch version and an 85-inch version. The specs between the two, I'm not going to lie, are a bit confusing. They do have the ability to be used with the surface pens, I, I just, it basically boils down to, it's a very expensive whiteboard for conference rooms using really, really, really old tech. Although I think one of the things they updated was in fact the quote, modular compute cartridge so that in fact you don't have to re buy this thing but I just don't know what to tell you this I really don't know who the heck this is actually going to go ahead and use this sort of thing I don't know of any business that's out there that is so integrated into the team's ecosystem that they'd go ahead and buy this thing because I'm willing to bet this sucker starts at five digits and that is a very hard sell. But let's see if the same trick to go ahead and bring up 
the other website I was actually looking for that actually included pricing actually works here. I seriously doubt it though. Oh my God, there is a whole ecosystem for this thing. There is a fingerprint reader for this thing. There is a dedicated $170 pen for this. There is an $800 camera for this thing. The webcam is not included. It is an $800 addition, unless you want a crappy one. Then it's a then it's $220. Oh, there we go. The Hub 2S starts at $2,200, which I guarantee you means, oh, it starts at, <laughs> the 50 inch version starts at, $9,500 and the 85 inch version starts at $25,000. Okay, well. And that's not including the compute module. How much is the compute module? $2,700. <laughs> and it includes a, a general Intel i5. The, the tech specs don't even tell you what, cheap, what CPU it includes. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing my mind. At least it comes with 32 gigs of RAM, but only five. I'm surprised it has half a half a terabyte of storage because grant whatever you're putting on this thing probably is going to come from your server because there's no way you're going to spend $2,500 or $25,000 on a freaking or let's just say the whole bundle. Let's just round up. Let's just say it's th three thirty thousand. There's no way you're spending $30,000 on a conference room whiteboard and don't have a server to draw from. So I'm actually really surprised it has a full half a terabyte of storage on board already. This. All right, I got it. I now fully understand this device. All right, you wanna know what this device is? Here's what this device is. This device is a tax write-off. That is what this thing is. This is 100% a massive tax write-off at the end of the year for your conference room. It all makes sense now. I figured it all out. Suddenly, everything makes sense. All right, I need to regain my sanity. We, I, we've been going on for this segment for 50 minutes. And we haven't even gotten to the update on Unity yet. And that is a big one. And we're going to get to that coming up next, as well as the leaks from Microsoft regarding the Xbox and how it all happened. You don't want to go anywhere. This is the stuff you actually came here to see. We'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. First things first, this story I actually meant to talk about earlier, but uh, 
messed up my ordering a little bit. While the Amazon Echo devices seem to be getting updates, Google's Nest devices seem to be losing support. In fact, the Nest Hub Max will be ending its Google Meet and Zoom support in September, which in fact may be one of the reasons why a lot of people even got one of these devices because there was a huge rush on these suckers to go ahead and actually do teleconferencing for because of course during the years 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, and up to the year 25, 25, assuming man is still alive, we were not allowed to go outside. What do you mean it was only one year? I don't believe you. Anyway. So the fact that all of a sudden now meet and zoom support is going away is kind of surprising, but in typical Google fashion, the Google Duo will remain. Google Duo is another teleconferencing service that Google offers, which isn't confusing at all because who the heck hears Google Duo and thinks, yep, that's a Zoom knockoff. <sighs> Welcome to the world of Google. It makes no sense. It's a giant ride and we're just, uh, we're, we're just here for the fun of it. I, I don't get it either. Does anyone else understand the Google ecosystem? Here, raise your hand if you understand the Google e ecosystem correctly. Stop lying. No, you don't. You don't understand squat. Just admit it. They'll be much healthier that way. All right, let's talk about the Xbox leak. And... I think I said during the breaking news episode earlier this week when it first came out and I realized just how big it actually was that um, I originally said that it wasn't really a leak. It was just information that came out. Uh, no, this was a leak. This was 100% a leak and it was 100% Microsoft's fault because none of this information was supposed to get into the court documents. What ended up happening was... Microsoft was submitting redacted information for the FTC v. Microsoft case in regards to buying Activision Blizzard. And with the redacted information, accidentally was attached a metric ton of unredacted information including the release schedule of Bethesda, as well as the next mid-refresh of the Xbox Series X. The biggest news to take away from it, however, is in fact that the updated Xbox Series X will in fact have no disk drive now I know in the case of uh, the chat I'm talking to right now while I'm recording this podcast I am preaching to the choir when I say that this is terrible just because I know a lot of my audience are retro gaming enthusiasts and quite frankly Retro gaming would be very difficult if it weren't for the fact 
that there was no online store at the time of these consoles. The only way to play these consoles was in fact the physical hardware and the physical game data. Let's pretend for a minute, my Super Nintendo on the shelf required an online store to use. It wouldn't be on my shelf anymore. It would be destroyed and recycled. Cause there's nothing you can do. The only reason say the PS3 and the PS4 have a future is because of their disc drives. My PS5 as well, unless Sony does something really screwy, will also have a future because it has a disc drive. Any game I have, I can still play off the disc even after the PS5 store is gone. Once the Xbox Series X, once it's, once the Xbox Series Series generation is gone, what happens to the Series S? What happens to the refresh of the Series X? Nothing. It can't do anything. All of a sudden, that console is now e-waste. Your $500 investment in that console is now worthless. It is now probably a $25 hunk of e-waste that only someone who's willing to go ahead and go heavy into modding might be able to figure out a future for. But to the average person, it's worthless. With this refresh, it would mean the entire Xbox generation is nothing. The only reason, and I do stress the only reason we tolerate no discs in the PC space is because PC backwards compatibility is simply the best around. I can go ahead and with my modern PC play an MS-DOS game if I get a hold of the software for it. There's ways to go ahead and play just about any game there is out there. It's difficult, but it can be done. We also, on the PC space, have an open marketplace. You can go ahead, download your game from Steam. You can download your game from uh, whatever the heck the uh, Epic Game Store is called. I think it actually is just called the Epic Game Store, isn't it? You can go ahead and download your game from good old games. You can go ahead and just make your own hard copy. You have that freedom in the PC space and that's the only reason why we tolerate it. Heck, somewhere in my moving boxes, I have three and a half inch floppy disks for Alone in the Dark. If I find a USB floppy disk reader, I could go ahead, grab the data off it and play Alone in the Dark. It would take some working, but it is possible. The problem with the Xbox on the other hand, and every other game console for that fact, is that it's a closed environment. 
Actually, I can't say every game console anymore because the Steam Deck is now a game, game console and that is a far more accessible environment. So, to the surprise of no one, I am strongly against this move by Microsoft to pretty much effectively kill the disk drive entirely, despite the fact that this is a move, let's be honest, we all saw coming a mile away. I'm willing to bet Sony will copy it eventually. Why not? It's good business for them. It's bad business for every used game dealer out out there it's bad business for GameStop it's bad news for Mega Media Exchange it's bad news for every mom and pop operation out there it's bad news for all of them but it is what it is there was also leaked information about a new Xbox controller that is borrowing ideas from basically everyone including Stadia the new Xbox hybrid controller for 2028 assuming that it doesn't get any sort of update then will also feature cloud gaming features such as going directly from the controller to the cloud and not using any middleman for lessened input lag. We'll see if Microsoft can go ahead and make the cloud gaming thing work. I have very little faith it's going to. There's a lot of information that's, Microsoft does in fact have more cloud gaming stuff in the works as well. There was also information regarding how Microsoft reacted to the PS5 reveal, which I'll be honest in this generation, I feel the PS5 is the far better console than the Xbox series series. That's just me. I say that both from the point of view of the Xbox series being very confusing just because the Series S is roughly a third the power of the X, but any game that's released for the X has to be runnable on the S, which kind of puts every developer that's not an indie developer in a really weird spot. It's just very weird. It really is. Now, on top of all that was the release schedule, which, oh, by the way, for those watching on the video one, this is what the actual Series X redesign is going to be, is going to look like. This is called Project Brooklyn. And in fact, yes, it is a cylinder. And yes, it does give me Mac Pro trash can vibes all over again. At least it's a game console and not meant to be a professional computer. All right. My biggest gripe with the Mac Pro was the fact that it gave the illusion of serviceability while being basically unserviceable. It will have a two terabyte drive in there. And for whatever reason, my article here does not have. Up uh... oh, here we go. There is, in fact, going to be a refresh of the Series S beforehand. Codename Elliewood. That will be in late August of 25. 
And then Brooklyn, the two terabyte Xbox Series X refresh is going to be in late October, assuming nothing has changed. And da, 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 da. oh, we don't have, do we not have a, uh, The, oh, hey, here we go. Here we go. All right. We actually now do have, we do have right here what we're expecting from Zenimax in their releases. So this chart that actually came with the documents is a little confusing to me because it's listed in fiscal years. But according to this, fiscal year 21E is this current year because it includes the launch of Starfield, Redfall, Ghostwire Tokyo. The only thing we don't see it on here is uh, Project Hibiki. I'm not sure what that's actually gonna be. That's the only thing on here that I don't recognize that's been launched, but next year, fiscal year 22E, we should be seeing an Indiana Jones game, an Oblivion remaster, and Starfield DLC already. Okay. So next year, we got all that to look forward to. The Oblivion Remaster is what everyone was caught off guard with. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. How many of you actually expected a legitimate Oblivion Remaster already? Or just ever? There's also three mobile titles planned. No detail on what that is. For two years from now, we are expecting Doom Year Zero, a brand new Doom game with DLC. Project, Project Kestrel, which we don't know what that is. And Project Platinum, we don't know what that is. Then finally, in fiscal year 24E, which is estimated three years from now, we see Elder Scrolls VI, Project Kestrel Expansion. So most likely Project Kestrel is some kind of online game. I think that's pretty safe to say. Another licensed IP game, a Fallout 3 remaster, a Ghostwire Tokyo sequel, Dishonored 3, and Doom Year Zero, DLC. So we pretty much have what Bethesda is planning for the next three years already out. Assuming, you know, nothing changes on all this. I gotta say, it is staggering. that all of this data managed to leak out. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Would you have expected Microsoft to blunder this badly? I wouldn't have. Sonin chat says you mean the next 30 years. Because three years is realistic. This is just what their internal documents say. I don't know how off it's going to be. 
I imagine a lot of stuff is going to be moved around just because predictability kills hype. And in the gaming industry, you want hype. There's also documents in there about acquiring Nintendo. That that was a thought they had, but then never followed through on. There's, of course, more talks about cloud computing and cloud gaming and what they're calling hybrid computing and how that could make older consoles retroactively more powerful. I'll, I'll say this much. Those sort of documents, they're talking a big game. They're talking about a radical future of what uh, could happen. But that doesn't mean that's what is going to happen. Because let's be honest, before the pandemic, we were talking about how physical consoles would be gone by 2022 and 2023. Well, physical consoles aren't gone. Stadia fell. Cloud computing is kind of a meme still. And less and less talk about using the cloud in general is really talked about. The most you hear about cloud nowadays is it could happen. And some crazy techno people like myself ponder having their own cloud gaming service in their living room. Not that I would do that. Okay, I kind of would. If I had enough spare time, let's pretend like if I, I have a lottery ticket in my pocket right now, if that actually hit the jackpot, totally 100% would use that spare time to try and set up a cloud gaming server in my living room. Just because I could. <laughs> Someone in chat says they still believe physical media will disappear. It'll be digital media. It'll be digi digital media only. You will own nothing and will be happy. They're trying to make that real. There is still enough people out there that are fighting against it that that will not be the reality yet. I still believe there is enough of a pushback that physical media will still continue to exist. Because even the PC gaming industry, right? We have Steam. Steam has effectively killed CDs. There are still ways to get that physical media. There are still ways to get it outside of a, a monopolistic store. And in fact, we thought that there wouldn't be cartridges on the Switch, on the PS5, or on the Xbox series series. It's still there. You can still do it. It's just getting harder 
and there is still pushback to go ahead and have that physical accessibility, especially in the gaming space. We're not there yet. We're not to the you will own nothing and be happy because there is still being enough of a pushback against it. Oops, I was on the wrong slide. All right. Speaking of you'll own nothing and be happy about it, let's talk about um, everyone's favorite topic lately in gaming. Let's talk about Unity. First up, we talked last week how Unity had news come out saying that they are going to have a new message out early next week. All right. Well, I waited. I was ready to go up with a breaking news episode when Unity did announce it. By the time Unity announced it, there was no need to go with a breaking news update because I was already going to be pretty much already doing the Eagle Eyes on Tech main episode. During that time before then, ReLogic, the parent company of Terraria, put out a very bold statement. It reads as follows. The team at ReLogic has been watching the recent events surrounding Unity with both interest and sadness. The loss of the formerly leading and user-friendly game engine to darker forces that negatively impact so much of the gaming industry left us dismayed, to put it mildly. We do not personally use Unity outside of a few elements on our console and mobile platforms. We feel like we cannot sit idly by as these predatory moves are made against studios everywhere. We unequivocally condemn and reject the recent TOS slash fee charges proposed by Unity and the underhanded way in which they were rolled out. The flippant manner in which years of trust cultivated by Unity were cast aside for yet another way to squeeze publishers, studios, and gamers is the saddest part. That this move was wholly unnecessary unnecessary pushes things into the tragic or into the tragedy category a cautionary tale to the industry will not soon forget we do not feel that a simple public statement is sufficient even if unity were to recant their policies and statements and destruction of the destruction of trust is not so easily repaired we strongly feel that this is now Equally important to get behind some of the other up-and-coming open-source game engines. Lighting some candles in an otherwise dark moment. To that end, we are donating $100,000 to each of the open-source engines listed below. Additionally, we are sponsoring each of these projects with $1,000 a month each moving forward. All we ask in return is that they remain good people and keep doing all that they can to make these engines power, powerful and approachable 
for developers everywhere. They then list out Godot or Godot or however it's actually pronounced and the FNA. They then, they then continue. Relogic has always been supportive of game developers and indie studios that do things the right way. We feel that our actions in this moment are the best way to carry that mission forward by accelerating and strengthening competing open source game engines. We hope to empower and assist studios that are struggling with how best to proceed given the recent events. This was a message put out by Relogic, the parent company of the game Terraria. This was a message viewed by 8 million people and put out on September 19th. This would be Tuesday. The message in which Unity said they're going to go rethink their life was put out on Sunday the 17th. That is a huge step in trying to go ahead and encourage other developers to just step away from Unity and just condemning everything Unity pretty much did. Because quite frankly, do I actually need to explain what Unity did? I probably should just to be, just keep everyone on the same pace. What Unity did was they retroactively changed their terms of service to include a 20 cents per install runtime fee for basically every single basic user out there and then introduced a pay structure to pay less per install to anyone that actually paid for bigger licenses. They then tried to go ahead and say that platforms such as Microsoft Live or Xbox Live and potentially Steam should have to pay these as well Despite the fact that Unity does not actually use any resources per installation. This just came out of the blue, came out of nowhere, and pretty much was just a massive bait and switch using an install model that had many loopholes that could have very easily been exploited and then continued to be as vague as possible whether that applied retroactively or not. And basically failed to communicate anything, said this was going to go into effect as early as January 1st of 2024. So, you know, developers had less than a quarter to potentially go bankrupt if in fact it applied retroactively, which they weren't clear about at first, but then later on said it wouldn't. It was just a massive communication failure in addition to implementing a policy that is blatantly greedy. Unity did eventually come out with a statement, however. They put out a blog post on September 22nd. This would be Friday is when this came out. This actually came out Friday midday. Almost a full week after they said, we will have an update shortly. I want you to keep this time frame in mind. 
On their own site, Unity put out a blog post. It reads as follows. To our community, I'm Mark Witten, and I lead the Unity Create, which includes Unity Engine and Editor Teams. I want to start with this. I am sorry. Let me interject. This sorry is 10 days late. This, I am, first off, kudos for actually saying that you're sorry. Because in this day and age, whenever you see a greedy company go ahead and try to get away with something, it's never, I'm sorry. It's always, we apologize for the lack of communication, or we're sorry you feel that way, or some kind of backhanded way of this. But this is, I'm sorry. You know, kudos for saying it. The kudos immediately goes away, however, because you are so late to your own party. It's not even funny. But at least you said it. The blog post continues. We should have spoken with more of you and we should have incorporated more of your feedback before announcing our new runtime fee policy. Our goal with this policy was to ensure we can continue to support you today and tomorrow and keep deeply investing in our game engine. You are what makes Unity great and we know we need to listen and work hard to earn your trust. We have heard your concerns and we are making changes to the policy we announced to address them. Let me interject. This needed to be, these two first, these first two paragraphs, this should have been what was said on Sunday. I cannot stress this enough. This announcement came so bloody late that people have moved on. This needed to be said during the outrage. This needed to be said during that you need to have walked this back long ago. The trust is already shattered. People have already walked away from, from unity. But let's go back to it, all right? The blog post continues. Our Unity personal plan will remain free and there'll be no runtime fee for games built on Unity personal. We'll be increasing the cap from $100,000 to $200,000 and remove the requirement to use made with Unity splash screen. No game with less than 1 million in trailing 12-month revenue will be subjected to the fee. Those creators on the Unity Pro and Unity Enterprise, we are also making changes based on your feedback. The runtime fee policy will only apply beginning with the next LTS version of Unity, shipping in 2024 and beyond. Your games that are currently shipped and the projects you are currently working on will not be included unless you choose to upgrade unless you choose to upgrade them with this new version of unity we will make sure that you can stay on the terms 
applicable for the version of Unity Editor you are using as long as you keep using that version. Let me interject. That makes sense. All right, you want to go ahead and choose a new pricing fee. It sucks. It's terrible. I think it's a terrible decision. You should probably look at other ways to go about it, like a royalty sort of system. But you know, at least you are waiting until the next version of the software. That makes sense. The blog post continues. For games that are subjected to the runtime fee, we are giving you a choice of a 2.5% revenue share or the calculated amount based on the number of new people engaging in the game each month. Both of these numbers are self-reported self-reported from data you already have available and you will be billed the lesser amount. Let me interject that. Why didn't you just do this in the first place? Let me actually just finish it and then I'll give my thoughts. All right. It, it continues. We want to continue to build the best engine for creators. We truly love this industry and you are the reason why they then talk. They then go on to talk about a live fireside chat. They would have had, they had this, uh, this fireside chat pretty much right during, um, during the time that I was working, I was unable to participate. So I don't know what was all talked about. They then go on to say thank you for caring as deeply as you do and thank you for giving us hard feedback. This is from Mark Witten. All right, let me talk about this. I cannot stress enough that this came way too late and that this should have been the first thing that came out. This whole pricing structure, this makes sense and this would have gone over way more acceptably than what they had before. What they had before was an absolute shattering of the trust they had. 100%. You now cannot trust Unity because they have shown that they are now willing to not listen to you. They are willing to go ahead and not communicate poorly or not communicate well at all. They are willing to just arbitrarily potentially just decides your game didn't didn't make them enough money they have proven that the people at the head are greedy as heck this isn't about them being able to raise money to continue investing into themselves and continue operating as a business that's fine that sort of thing is completely fine. This is this was all about them just being just plain Jane greedy. There's no other way to say it. Especially when you look at the fact of how they wanted to run it. You can't trust Unity. And the fact they went ahead and it took them a full two weeks to come to the correct answer is eye-opening. If I was a developer, I wouldn't go near 
unity ever, period. Full stop. The trust is broken. And here's the biggest thing, all right? Here's the biggest thing for me. Every single person that were that was responsible for the bad decision is still there. Someone in chat says, at least with this, the people can finish their project and seek an engine down the road. This is true. If they were making something in Unity with the current license they have, they continue to make it and just still pay the fees they were. What happens... If they decide in two years to try and be greedy again. What if they decide that let's try that install fee thing again. What then? What do you do? I don't know what you do. I don't think they know what to do. This... Anyone who is already starting to go through the steps of trying to switch from Unity to like Godot, that was the biggest one I saw from various developers. I would continue to go through through with it. I would. I'll give Unity credit. From a PR standpoint, they said everything they needed to say. This is a very good PR statement. This is a very good plan to put forward. And you know, we've seen time and time again here on this podcast, plenty of PR statements from companies that were just completely awful. This is better. But... Actions speak far louder than words. No action was taken up to the launch of this statement. Oh, well, Eagle, that's, that's not, that's unreasonable. What action could they take before announcing it? Simple. You get rid of your greedy AF CEO. You oust your CEO. The guy that we all know was at the head of this. The guy who is, who shows signs again and again and again of putting his wallet and his bottom line before anything else within the company.
You want to go ahead and show you're willing to show turn a new leaf? Get rid of the rot. These are strong words. Right now, they are just that. They are words and nothing else. We're going to take a break here and we come back. We have a lot more to discuss, including some interesting plans from Twitter, as well as a few interesting games announced at the Tokyo Game Show. Can an online game becoming a tabletop game? We will be back. It'll be the last segment. Trust me. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. While Unity is trying to clean itself up from its absolutely abysmal life decision. In other news, Elon Musk is, um, is floating another bad idea. Saying that he actually thought about and planned on charging, quote, small monthly payments for anyone to actually use the artist formerly known as Twitter. Someone has no idea how to social media, right? Okay. Dude, okay. Okay. Listen, come here. All right. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. All right. Let me tell you a secret. All right. Do you know why every single Twitter clone that recently came out failed? Hmm? Do you know why Threads failed? Do you know why Mastodon failed? Do you know why all these other clones failed and Twitter still stands? I'll, I'll tell you the secret, all right? It's not that hard of a concept to understand, all right? Here, listen very, very closely. People will go to where the content is. You can go ahead and make a YouTube and make the interface way easier to understand than, than YouTube ever could. You can go ahead and make a YouTube that is way easier for content creators to put out content on it than ever before. You could go ahead and take YouTube and fix everything that's wrong with YouTube, all right? Fix it in a heartbeat, all right? Let's, let's pretend that you are this software genius that figured this all out. You wonder why YouTube will still stand? Because YouTube has the content. People are gonna go to where the content is, okay? Do you understand that? All right. If you go ahead and try to charge payments 
to use Twitter for anyone, this means the content creators who make basically nothing on Twitter are going to leave Twitter. They're going to go ahead and go somewhere where they're just not going to go ahead and have to pay five bucks, four bucks, three. Let's even pretend it's a dollar. Let's pretend. Would you want to go ahead and set up paying a dollar a month to Twitter just to use it? It's just a dollar. That's, that's nothing to your bottom line. Let me tell you a secret. Just the hassle. People would rather leave than pay the dollar. Of which of that dollar, Twitter will see 50 cents of it because 50 cents will be lost just in processing fees. This, hands down, by far, is the worst idea that the, 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 the former genius Elon Musk has ever thought of. This is by far the worst. No ifs, ands, or, or buts about it. Let's move this screen back because it, it, that angle's really weird. Awesome. I'll have to figure that I'll have to figure that out after after I'm done with the podcast. Anyway. This guy is just This is a terrible idea. Terrible. And I'll just say it here. No matter how good of a microblogging site that Twitter is? People said that changing the name of Twitter to X was going to go ahead and kill the platform. I knew it wasn't because everyone's just going to keep calling it Twitter. Because why the heck would you call it anything else? It's stupid. Having everyone try to set up a uh, payment system for it, they're going to (laughs) leave. They just will. People are too lazy to go ahead and listen to a 10 minute video. They'd rather go ahead and open up TikTok and listen to 30 second videos. You think they have the patience to go ahead and only watch 30 second videos, but have the patience to set up a payment system? No. Even if they can afford it, most people just simply won't. And the people who are willing to, guess what? They're already buying Twitter blue. There's no one new that's going to go ahead and sign up for it. It's a dumb, dumb decision. And as viewer and as content creators leave, users will leave and it'll just be one giant cycle. In other news, there's great news. The Microsoft deal to buy Activision Blizzard is going to be going through as the UK is happy that... The cloud gaming services of Activision 
are going to instead go to Ubisoft instead of Microsoft. I have nothing else to contribute to that, so let's just move on from that. <laughs> Seriously, does anyone care? <laughs> they just want to know when the deal's done so we can stop talking about it forever. Oh, man. In other news, it actually sounds like the Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty expansion and patch is actually good and finally fixes a lot of things that Project Red CD should have had ready and done in the first place. So for those of you who don't, in, who don't enjoy games that have some bugs and need some polish, great news. It sounds like your time has finally come. I have no idea because I don't own the game, but to the rest of you, Enjoy it. I hope that in fact the reviewers weren't bamboozled and that it is in fact as good as they're all saying it is. I mean, look, it's more than IGN saying it's good. So that, that's gotta mean something, right? Meanwhile, over at the Tokyo Game Show, we have a couple of interesting announcements. First off, hold up, actually, my stories are a little out of whack here. Uh, okay. Wait. Okay, there we go. There we go. This is what I get. This is what I get. I thought I had everything in, in line and then I didn't. All right. First up over at the Tokyo Game Show, we have Dragon's Dogma 2 was announced and actually looks really good. However, however, We're not sure when it's going to come out. And here's something I want to say, all right? These kind of, like, Dragon's Dogma 2 does look really good from the trailer. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, okay? I always want to remind people. Anytime a trailer and a game promises a lot, remember that No Man's Sky did happen, okay? And granted, to No Man's Sky's credit, they did spend several years after their terrible launch fixing everything up so that they could actually meet up to their own hype three years late. Yeah, <laughs> as chat just said, Cyberpunk also happened. Yeah. This looks good. We'll keep an eye on it, but this is very early. This is just like a trailer being shown. We actually don't know exactly how good it's going to be when it finally gets out. Someone in chat want, says that uh, Dragon's Dogma 1 is actually $5 on Steam right now, by the way, which 
I want to get on top of that. Someone else said Starfield also happened. I don't, I don't know. I, do I really want to put Starfield in the same category? I feel like Starfield's a little different. Just because Starfield itself didn't make that many promises. The actual Bethesda fanboys really hyped that one up, though. Yeah, it launched as a buggy mess. But we all... It's what we expect. But here's... The, they didn't really... I, I don't know. I, I don't put Starfield in the same category as a failed launch as Cyberpunk. Or as... Brain. As uh, No Man's Sky. Like Starfield just promised, yeah, it's it's Skyrim in space. And I mean, we got Skyrim in space. We pretty much got exactly what we expected. Now, Fallout 76, on the other hand, I would put into the same category as Cyberpunk and as No Man's Sky. Like, Starfield at least was, like, playable. It, had, it desperately needed a good day one patch. I wouldn't say Starfield was a failed launch. It was a mediocre launch. I'm not willing to get on that train. I'm not. It, Starfield basically launched exactly as I expected it to. But let's actually get on to some other news, such as The Division 3 was announced as a thing that now exists. Anyway, <laughs> that exists now. anything else you want me to say if you enjoy the division tom clancy's division three will also be out soon tm at some point it's in development now here's actually some here's some news though i don't think anyone expected when you think about the tokyo game shows you expect video game announcements did anyone expect a tabletop RPG to be announced? I didn't. Did you? Final Fantasy XIV announced a tabletop RPG version of itself, which is going to be called Final Fantasy XIV Online TTRPG. First off, I don't know how this translates in Japanese. Maybe this is, maybe what I'm about to criticize is a Japanese um, mistranslation or something that didn't really go over very well. 
But do you really think the word online should be included with a physical tabletop RPG? I think that's a little silly. But that's in there now. That being said, my interest is peaked. I want to know more about the system. Because one thing I am noticing, so what this is, all right? It is going to be a starter set. It will include a player's handbook, which is going to be a hardcover book that, or I assume a hardcover book, at least from what we see in the pictures. That will include how to start the game, how to create characters, and everything about the system. There is going to be a Game Master's Guide, or as they call it, a Game Master's Book, that, offer, that offers information on how to run the system as a Game Master, as well as four pre-made character sheets, which you will most likely never use. You will instead go ahead and go into Microsoft Excel, print out your own sheets. A set of dice, including six D20 that are six 20-sided dice, and 10d6, which are normal six-sided dice. An encounter map, character tokens, and ability markers. And this will all be available for 60 US dollars. Now, 60 US dollars sounds like a bit much for what is essentially a board game. But... Let me explain this from the point of view of a, I guess now former D&D player. Since I actually haven't been in a D&D campaign for three years. Do you know how much a D&D player's handbook and dungeon master's guide is? They are about 30 to $35 each. So with this, with their own system, which by the way, they do not appear to be partnered with the Wizards of the Coast at all. So I assume this is actually their own in-house system. This is not based on any sort of D&D D20 system or anything like that at all. I do not know if there's going to be an open license like there is with D&D. So third parties can go ahead and introduce uh, their own campaign modules or expansions or anything like that. <clears throat> or if there's any sort of homebrew licensing or anything like that. But there's nothing stopping you as your own creative individual to just do whatever the heck you want. And then on top of that, this is 60 bucks for two $30 books, basically. And then a bunch of other stuff free. From a tabletop RPG point of view, this is a really good deal. Dude, you're lucky for 60 bucks if you can get a player's handbook, a Dungeon Master Guide, and 
a basic set of dice. And then by the sound of it, it looks like we're only going to use D20s and uh, D6s. So it's not like you need to go ahead and have a D4, or as every D&D player knows them as, a Caltrop. Or dig around for a D8 that you never use for when you have that one weapon that's kind of cool. Or a... Or, or you know, f find your D10 and realize you don't can't find your D10 that's the 10 digits. Or a D12. Yeah, you don't need to dig up your D12. Thank you, chat. For, to go ahead and figure out your barbarian's uh, HP and then nothing else ever. You don't need to figure out your percentiles. It's apparently just going to be a D, uh, D20 and D6. Someone in chat says D50. When have you ever used a D50? <laughs> when have you used a D50? <laughs> People are just making up dice now. A D3. When? When have you ever used a D3? By the way, in case you are not familiar with Dungeons and Dragons and can't figure out the dice naming scheme, D refers to dice. And then the number refers to how many sides that dice has. D100s, or percentiles, actually do exist. They're two D10s. One's, d one's your second digit, the other's your first digit. If you roll double zeros, it's 100. So this is really interesting, and unfortunately it's not available until May. But I... I'm interested. I'd love to get my hands on this. Although I'm not going to lie. Um, there is a little bit of deceptive marketing going on here. Because I'm noticing in the pictures for this stuff. The markers all appear to be cardboard. The character sheets actually look pretty decent. But, um, those manuals look to be very paperback. I'm not going to lie, that's a little disappointing. If those are, in fact, the manuals. At the same time, the, uh, the actual description does not mention that the player's book or the Game Master's book are hardcover. So before we get too excited, um, we'll wait and see what it is, but this is, this is interesting. It's almost as interesting as the fact that um, the boss of Mortal Kombat 1 says that, don't worry, the Nintendo Switch version of Mortal Kombat 1 will be fixed. What? Alright, for those who are not in the loop, the Mortal Kombat 1, Mortal Kombat 1 recently launched. It is the 11th or 12th game in the Mortal Kombat series? I don't know. 
as far as I can tell, they can't count. But um, the Switch version was being sold as a full $70 game. Someone in chat says the 12th, 12th game. The, the Switch version was sold for $70. And the amount of effort that went to the Switch game um, is extremely lacking. Like, okay, I get that the quad-core mobile processor inside the Switch cannot compare to the compute horsepower of the PS5. I get that, okay? But there's ways to downscale a game, and then there's whatever the heck they did to Mortal Kombat 1 for the Switch. Facial expressions just didn't exist. The graphical fidelity was much closer to a PS1 or PS2 game than it was what you'd expect on the Switch. Like, th they basically went ahead and uh, took the laziest route possible for the Switch version and then just called it a day. On top of that, the marketing material that was put out for the Nintendo Switch version was dishonest because it was captured from the PC version to the point where the Steam achievement icon showed up on the video promoting the Switch version. Whoops. But they're saying they are gonna go ahead and fix the Switch version, oh boy. Get some popcorn. This is going to be good. I have no faith in it. Look, if you want to play Mortal Kombat 1, go play any version but the Switch version. Just go do that. And then kiss your Microsoft subscription goodbye because Microsoft says that they may exit the gaming business entirely if, uh, if the Game Pass subscribers on the console market don't increase enough by 2027. In other statements that came out from the leak. Doesn't that bode well for the future of the Xbox, huh? Microsoft may just pull a Stadia and just yank out of the entire gaming industry if Game Pass doesn't do well enough. That's language you want out in the public, huh? Just in case you're one of those that thought the Xbox leak was not major or not truthful at all, that it was intentional. Um, yeah, no, that that's solid enough evidence for me that the leak is legit. Because there's no way they'd want that they'd want that statement out in the public at all. Or you know maybe when you're debating getting out of uh, Microsoft, you should just go ahead and just get a uh, ROG Ally. I mean, there's a new ROG Ally out that's using a lower end processor. It's cheaper. The only downside is that um, its performance is so lacking that you should just save a hundred dollars and just buy a Steam Deck instead. 
yeah this one doesn't make sense like the rog ally i would still rather buy a steam deck over the rog ally especially since the battery life on the steam deck is there and the rog ally it's not but even more so this cheaper rog ally makes so little sense that you can't justify it like at all Someone in chat says Steam Decks are pricey. They wish they could get one. This one's worse because this is $100 more than the mid-range Steam Deck and is roughly the same performance with less battery life. Yikes. Yeah, this market still isn't for me, but, you know, part of me still wants to get a Steam Deck just to play with. Uh, I need to get back to familiar territory. Let's get back, to, get back to familiar territory. Let's get back to the familiar territory of war documents leaking on the War Thunder forums yet again. <laughs> Stop me if you heard this, all right? Confidential documents from the U.S. military. <laughs> Chat said stop immediately. <laughs> all right in real talk the operator's manual for various u.s aircraft has leaked on the war thunder forum again this time it was actually oh, we actually even in the model the flight manual for the lockhead f117 nighthawk was leaked on the the war thunder forums simply because simply because someone on the forums wanted to prove that they are in fact military. At least this time it wasn't actually classified. It's only restricted. This way, the court martialing that this idiot's about to get is going to be slightly less angry. So, you know, positives, idiot. The, the, the only, the, all you, all you can say is that this guy was stupid, and the fact that this has now happened. What this is like the tenth time it's happened, or something like that, is absolutely insane. It is absolutely insane that this still continues to happen. But you know, maybe this guy, after he's been fired from the military and dishonorably discharged. Uh, maybe you can go ahead and get a job over at Neuralink as one of the first test subjects for the precise robotic, robotic implanted brain computer interface or prime for short. Yep. Elon Musk. And Neuralink is moving to human testing, despite the fact that the animal testing proved to be cruel and unusual. So, you know, in case you um, like money more than your sanity, you can go about that. <laughs> so someone in chat who actually is military said, wait, what did I hear about military and dishonorable discharge? Oh, no big deal. Just the um, flight manual for... Uh, for one of the uh for one of the planes used in the air force uh 
and its operating manual leaked on the War Thunder forums again. So, you know, your usual once a month sort of nonsense. Someone in chat did confirm that this is in fact the 10th leak that's now happened on War Thunder. Slow freaking clap. I feel like we need PSAs on both trusting Neuralink and also trusting Elon Musk. Kind of like how we need a PSA for children in the classroom to go ahead and be on the straight path again. We need a new PSA in the classroom to tell kids to avoid playing chess. Yes, you heard me. Chess is apparently so popular in the classrooms now that it has actually gotten in the way of learning and there's now PSAs out to tell kids to stop playing chess. I don't know about you, but I know my, my teachers would be thrilled to hear that kids are getting involved with chess and extracurricular activities rather than, oh, I don't know, drugs, violent video games. Beating kids up in the playground. Smoking who knows what. I would say the fact that this is required, possibly a, a good sign of some kind. But this podcast has to end. We must now turn to the last burb. The last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Which I thought was going to be chess. But it's not. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to present you with the eco-friendly solution of coffee. The solution to what to ask? Why coffee is the solution to the sustainability of 3D printing. Yeah, your coffee grounds, after they're used, are being researched into being filament for 3D printing. Yeah, I would have thought that of all the environmental friendly things to do with coffee grounds, I would have thought that um, throwing coffee grounds into mulch or adding them to some form of plant fertilizer would be the way to go. But uh, nope, we're just going to go ahead and 3D print them into the actual plant vase itself. This all being done by the university at at Colorado Boulder and the Atlas Institute. You can make a lot of things with coffee grounds, said Michael Riviera of the University of Colorado in Boulder. 
I, for one, just got to ask. Will using coffee grounds as the filament make the prints go faster? Look, one of the biggest downsides of 3D printing is the fact it takes forever. It takes hours to get a print done. And if anything goes wrong, that's just hours that are wasted. If we use coffee grounds to caffeinate our 3D printers, will they be able to print faster? That's the question we should truly be asking. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And I do encourage you to check out our other works. Our live broadcast over at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Eagle Falcon. And many, many other outlets that aren't worth mentioning. I mean, I'd say go follow me on X, but there's a decent chance you might have to, it might be behind a paywall by the time this goes up if Elon's as crazy as we know he is. Take care and I hope you have a great day. Now, here's the biggest problem I have with the coffee 3D printing. Like, real talk here. Like, okay, it's it's nice and all that the prints are going to be biodegradable. But let's go ahead and say I, like they're showing the picture here, I make an actual planter's pot out of coffee grounds. You know what's going to end up happening, right? The, the freaking plant's just going to end up growing into the planter and then just actually decompose it so quickly It'll make you wonder why. Why did we do this? Like, I'm all for biodegradable filament. Don't misunderstand me. I just feel like this is too biodegradable. Or, you know, I'm actually worried about if I went ahead and made a mug, like they're saying here for my tea, that's just going to get coffee taste in my tea. I don't know. This whole thing just rubs me the wrong way. At the same time, I will give them credit. It is very interesting, and I'm sure I've reviewed dumber stories. God, what was some of the other weird stuff? Wasn't there one that, that uh, people would 3D print with poop? I feel like that was a story I covered. Ah, well. Someone in chat said it'll make replaying them into bigger pots easier. Ah, yes. I can 3D print a bigger pot. And then by the time that bigger pot is finished, it'll outgrow the smaller one. And we just keep going through this. Forever. Oh, 3D printing with fish semen. That's what it was. Uh, yeah. You know, all of a sudden, after remembering 3D printing with fish semen exists, that, um, you know, 3D printing with coffee grounds actually seems sane. <laughs>